And when you say that word, the, the, that, that, that phrase, from the point of view of a Mahayanist, then you add for themselves. It doesn't mean that they, want, they, they see Nirvana over there and they're running <coughs> towards it, and if they see anybody else uh, trying to get there, they're pushing him away. Okay, that's not what it means for themselves. Okay. So we talked a little, a little bit about that last time, and now we are since this is uh, Tibetan Buddhism and, and it, within the Mahayana, more in the Mahayana philosophy, so, and it, it has its own uh, kind of a, a flavoring or culture, but uh, as holiness keeps on repeating, uh, especially lately, is that. Uh, what is considered to be even uh, most Tibetan will say that what is what is called Tibetan Buddhism is not really Tibetan Buddhism. It's really Nalanda. It's a tradition of of of, of, of Buddhism as it was in India in the Nalanda monastery, which has been uh, well. I guess you, the Tibetans consider themselves to be have inherited it because Nalanda monastery doesn't exist anymore and it's still thriving. That tradition that was in Nalanda Monastery is now thriving in Tibet. And interesting, when you go to the area of uh, the Bengal, what was the Bengal, and you, the, uh, the ancient temples that they have uh, uncovered, and when you look at the iconography that they use to decorate the temples and the instrument that they use, you would think that there was, there was a Tibetan temple there once. So they have really taken, uh, uh, for the most part, most of what was in the monastery, even the, the iconography. Okay. Uh, of course, there's a lot of it that's Tibetanized, and we have to be careful as to uh, the Tibetan, the Tibetanized version of it. Is it? I'm not gonna say is it wrong or right, but more like is it? Uh, is, is, is it something that will work for you also? You know, it's like the Tibetans took the tradition from Nalanda and then they are trying to practice it as, as purely as they can, but you know, they, live, they have a different culture, they have a different climate, so they have to make certain uh, uh, adaptations. So in the same way, when you hear that, when, you, when, when, the Buddha, when the Dharma comes to you and you are attracted to it, it makes sense to you. And it doesn't mean that you have to start wearing chubas and you have to, you know, uh, you have to eat momos, you know. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you have to completely, you know, become a Tibetan, okay? If you're attracted to the the tradition of Buddhism that was uh, uh, that survived in Tibet, or that was uh, or that was, uh, that was survived. Okay, survived is a, is a good word for now. Okay, flourished. Oh, flourished. Flourished. Okay, flourished in, in, in Tibet. Okay, so now we are focusing on, on Mahayana tradition. Okay, so now uh, now what is it that makes someone a Mahayanist? What country do you have to be born to be to be a Mayans? England. <laughs> Very good Zen question answer. <laughs> okay. So, so it's not the country where you're born that makes you a Mayanist, right? So, uh, what makes you a Mayanist? It's adopting a, a particular philosophy of, of Buddhism, and and of course, it, it not only adopting it but also aspiring, aspiring for it. So when you, you, you actually become a true Mahayanist when you become a Bodhisattva. So you said the whole tradition of Mahayana, whether it is in Tibet, where, where uh, Vajrayana is, is a major part, or, or in, in China or Japan, 
where Zhen or Chen is a, is a major, uh, major uh, uh, reflection, a major interpretation of Mahayana. Okay. So in, where, wherever you go, where, if they call themselves Mahayanas, then the Bodhisattva is what everyone is trying to be. Okay. So what is then, what is the Bodhisattva? And then we went into that, 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 that thick book. <laughs> we looked at the definition of a Bodhisattva. And then it was like two paragraphs, and we had to go through it like uh, for a couple of months. <laughs> Each line, we had to go to, to, to uh, ca- some sort of commentary to explain what it means. So, so we have now a definition of what is a bodhis- what is a bodhisattva. What is a bodhisattva? <laughs> a bodhisattva is a essentially aspiring to Buddha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially aspiring to Buddha. And you have to add something to that. Yeah, to benefit all sentient beings. Actually, you, you, you train, start, start training yourself to reverse the order. Okay? A Bodhisattva is someone who aspires to benefit all sentient beings by reaching Buddhahood. Okay? That way, uh, I mean, you know, uh, the selfish tendencies has been governing our uh, existence for such a long time. If you don't do that, then <coughs> we may make aspiring to Buddhahood of a selfish act. Okay. Why we want to be Buddhas? Because I don't want to suffer. Because I would like to have that nice body that I see the Buddha has. I would like to have that kind of mind, you know, so I can go around with parties and you know, show off what I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be careful, okay? So the main purpose of a, of a Bodhisattva is to remove the suffering of others. To actively participate, to make it the, uh, make it your personal responsibility of removing the suffering that, that, that exists. Okay? Interestingly enough, <laughs> in order for you to uh, remove suffering, you have to see it. <laughs> so you could say um, a bodhisattva is somebody who is aspiring, wherever there is suffering, may I see it so that I can remove it. Okay? So you could say in a way that a Bodhisattva is aspiring to do that. Okay. And not only does the Bodhisattva aspire to remove suffering, but also wants to bring something positive to those beings from whom suffering is removed. He wants to give them ultimate happiness. Okay. And that ultimate happiness, you know, uh, just the Bodhisattva wants to give happiness in all its ranges, all the way to the full happiness that is enjoyed by, by, by a fully enlightened Buddha. So Bodhisattva wants to help uh, all beings, any being, reach any kind of happiness. If the only happiness that that being has the potential to, to uh, experience at that moment is you know, having a nice ice cream, then the Bodhisattva wants to be able to give that ice cream to that, to that, to that, to that being. No, in some way. Either give them the money so they can buy it, or become the ice cream uh, maker and bring it to them, or become the ice cream themselves so that the person can, can, can have the ice cream. And from that kind of happiness all the way to the, they want to be able to uh, teach them, train them, uh, help them reach the, the happiness that is experienced by a fully enlightened Buddha. Okay. So that's the, that's, the, that's, the Buddhist, uh, bo- that's the Bodhisattva. And as far as the Bodhisattva's personal, uh, no, personal aspiration is concerned, that is, what do they want for, for themselves, just for themselves, something that only they can experience. They, they, don't, they don't even, uh, Bodhisattva doesn't even consider that. Okay? 
even if Buddhahood was, that is, if you consider Buddhahood the means to help all beings, the means to truly help all beings, even if that's experiential, even if that was experienced uh, in a way where you are suffering forever. Let's say Buddhahood was the means to help all beings. I'm, I'm, okay, that's not what it is. <laughs> that's not what it is. That's not what it is. Let's say if it was, okay? If Buddhahood, the state of Buddhahood was that when you achieve it, now you are able to help all beings become free from suffering, and you're able to bring happiness to all beings, you're really able to do that. But for as far as your, on your own personal experience is concerned, you have to suffer forever. A Bodhisattva is compassion, is willing to do that. He's willing to bear that suffering. That's what makes that Bodhisattva such a such an incredible, monumental uh, uh, being. Okay. And that's what, that's, uh, we, we read something uh, alluding to that in the, the Perfection of Wisdom Sutra, when the Buddha when he was describing what is a Bodhisattva, and, and there was a point where he was describing uh, the, it was called the Adamantine, uh, 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 how was that term used again? The Adamantine intention, or Adamantine resolve, something like that. So there's like an in, in the intention of the Bodhisattva directed <coughs> towards all beings. And I, I so much want to remove the suffering of others. I'm so bothered by others' suffering that even if the means of doing that is for me to take on those suffering, for me to be locked up in the hells for, for countless eons, and I'm the only one left in existence with suffering, if that's what will help other beings stop suffering, I'm willing to do it. So you must have this adamantine resolve that you're not concerned about Buddhahood is not for you something oh I'll have bliss forever I'm gonna have uh, or I'm gonna have a lot of knowledge that, that's not, that's not what the, why the Bodhisattva is aspiring to Buddhahood the Bodhisattva is aspiring to Buddhahood because I will be able to then help beings stop suffering okay. whatever whatever that state is if its function is gonna be I'm gonna help all beings stop suffering I want it okay so. That's the definition of a bodhisattva. Now, in, uh, now that we've gone, we, we went uh, a long time defining <laughs> bodhisattva, we went, we spent even longer time <laughs> talking about the vows that the bodhisattva takes. And remember, the vows that the bodhisattva takes, that one that, was, the one that we went over, the 18 and the 46, doesn't mean that that's the only set of vows that the bodhisattva uh, has. Okay? Some, these are, uh, you can say, the common vows that all bodhisattvas have. And these vows are, uh, are specifically geared towards helping the bodhisattva uh, maintain their, their, that intention, that aspiration. And that aspiration is called bodhicitta. Okay? To help them maintain keep that, that aspiration, then they, they observe these vows. To help them strengthen that aspiration, they observe these vows. And they have these vows in common. And as the Bodhisattva is progressing, each individual Bodhisattva, they will make personal vows. Vows that, are, that pertain only to, to their own, to their own uh, uh, progress, to their own uh, individual, uh, individual as, in, to their own individuality. Okay. Like one, for example, you hear that uh, one of the special vows of, of Manjushri has a, a special vow, Avarukteshwar has a special vow that is just for Avarukteshwar. 
that Abel Kiteshwara made. Like, uh, for example, one, one, one of the vows that Buddha Shakyamuni made when he was a Bodhisattva was that if, when I achieve, uh, when I achieve Buddhahood and I bring the Dharma to, to the earth, if those who decide to, decide to follow me, if any one of those who truly decide to follow me, if they come while on, on their path, if they come in need of any of the basics, necessities, and they cannot find it, then my Buddhahood will be, what do you call that? Will be smashed. Smashed will be like a, like a, like, like, it's like, a, it's like getting fired or something. <laughs> Like he would lose his his good revolt. We like he would be revoked or something like that. Okay. Okay. So that was Shakyamuni's uh, special vow for us, us people, us Earthlings. Okay. That was a special vow for us, and that's why he said that it took him on more than three countless eons. He had to work a little bit extra to to to, to make that uh, an actuality. Okay? So that those who are following him will always have the necessities of life, no matter no matter what the appearance may be. Okay? And so far, the well, actually, it's not really a, a, an example, but the closest example that of, of where that may not have been so is someone after achieving arhathood. No, after achieving arhathood. Yeah, after achieving Ahadhu, I'm not sure if it was after each achieving Ahadhu or was like it was no, about to reach Ahadhu like, you know, in a few days or something like that. There was one very strong karma that ripened for him and he was not able to, to eat. He had the karma of not being able to eat. And because it was a, a karma for him, no matter what others did to try to feed him, they couldn't, they couldn't get food into his, into his mouth. Okay? But... And I, but I'm not sure if he was already an Ahad, or if he was just about to become an Ahad. Then it, it was just like, uh, I think he, uh, I think he was already an Ahad, an Ahad. Okay. Then, being that he was an Ahad, not being able to eat wasn't a suffering for him. And he was like, I'm already an Ahad, what do I need to eat for <laughs> anyway? Okay. So, so since he was already an aha, so that wasn't uh, a case where uh, you could say, well, there's one example for Buddha Shakyamuni where one of his followers didn't have one of the necessities of life. Okay. So that uh, why is not, not why is not why uh, why is that not a, an example? Not yeah, he was already there. <laughs> he fulfilled the, he, he, the, the, the purpose was for people to get to aha. Right, you get to uh, so it's on your own now. Okay, get your own food, <laughs> get your own clothing, get your own housing. That's it. Get out of the house. <laughs> You're on the top. <laughs> okay. And someone might think, uh, what about Minarepa? Did he starve to death? No, he ate nettles. He found food. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a very beautiful story. You gotta get that book. There's, a, there's, there's even a cartoon form of it. I, I like that cartoon form better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, just uh, life of Milarepa. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the prime example of for anyone. Anyone who can say that, uh, oh, I don't have the, I, I don't think I can reach it. You know, I don't have the, I don't think I have the, uh, the, the what's that? No, I, it, I don't think I have the the merit to be able to to do all this practice, to achieve all these things. Umilarepa is an example of somebody who beat the odds, so to speak. Okay, so it's very aspiring uh, biography to me. Okay, so. Uh, so yeah, when Bodhisattva sometimes make their own special vows, okay, and Manjushri's special vow is whoever is going to reach enlightenment, Manjushri will appear as as the teacher to teach them in, about emptiness. Uh, and uh, Avalokiteshvara's special vow was uh, he Avalokiteshvara blessed his name so that whoever sincerely out of faith calls upon upon upon, upon when they are in need Avalokiteshvara will help them okay so and so different bodhisattvas have different there's one bodhisattva who made a special vow that uh, is, is uh, that bodhisattva's special mission is to go into the hells and rescue and rescue beings whoever's ready in the hells he wants to be there to rescue them okay. so so on, so as part of your career as a bodhisattva <laughs> You're gonna encounter situations that will make you make special vows. Maybe because you know, in that in that life you have, uh, you experience a, a particular kind of suffering that touched you deeply. So you will make a special vow for anyone who is in that situation. I will be there, the teacher, and help them get out of. Or I or I'll become water to help those who are suffering in 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 in, in the desert or something like that. Okay. So so we we covered the vows. And now we are covering the the, the progression, okay? Uh, and, and of course, from the very moment that you make the wish, not not when you make the the vow, but when you make the wish to even become a bodhisattva, already you're you're making progress, and the progress is happening every day. And the way the progress happens is not that uh, you go from happiness to happiness to happiness to happiness to happiness to happiness. The progression didn't need not necessarily manifest that way. Some days you're very happy, you see your progress, you see directly, oh yeah, I'm making progress now, and I didn't get angry today, and even though I was presented with the perfect opportunity to be angry, so that's just today, and, th- and that's the progress, okay? And then the very next day, you lose your temper like that. That, 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 that. Because you lost your temper that day doesn't mean that, oh, now you regress. It doesn't mean that. So as you're making the progress, you no, know, there will be ups and downs, you no, know, up and down like that, okay, up and down, and and, and there will be times where it seems like you, you're 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 completely static, even though you're doing all everything you're supposed to be doing, you seem like you're static and not moving anywhere. But that's just an appearance, okay? You're making progress. So from the very moment you make the wish, and all the way to Buddhahood, you're you're progressing to Buddhahood. Things are happening. Change changes are taking place. For the better, and there are definite uh, demarcations where of progression that, that are s- singled out, and these definite uh, demarcations are called. Uh, uh, that's what they call the 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 boomies, the the, the boomies, what the the, the the levels. There are definite levels, okay, demarcations, and there's supposed to be ten of them. Ten were six singled out. 
uh, also uh, they, the, these ten bumis occur within another, another uh, uh, demarcation the definite set of, of demarcations uh, uh, you know them as the five paths okay the preparation uh, oh, forget preparation accumulation <laughs> preparation seeing uh, meditation. Um, uh, meditation and then uh, no, no more learning okay so, so these five paths so the ten levels that we were going over fit into these five okay and actually the, the from one to ten occurs from the from the third path up to the fifth okay so from the third path to the fifth you're, you're going to ten definite uh, levels okay and and, w- and and what is that that you're doing that is uh, what, it, what are you doing essentially what are you essentially doing that is definitely uh, making you go through those various uh, uh, stages of progress remember is it, is it that you keep revisiting emptiness yes yes so it, it's, it's your meditation on emptiness and whenever you visit emptiness either at first intellectually and that becomes a very profound intellectual understanding and then, and then eventually you have a direct perception of emptiness and then afterwards from that moment, first moment of direct perception of emptiness you keep going back to that direct perception of emptiness and whenever you go back to that direct perception of emptiness then uh, uh, you're making uh, a progress now it doesn't mean that you know you, you see emptiness directly this morning and if you see it ten times before, before, before night falls, you're going to go to ten levels. That's not what it means. Okay? You can visit it ten times before night falls and you're still in just first, the first boom. Okay? But as, whenever you visit emptiness, something, something is happening that, that, that is making you experience those definite uh, stages, those definite levels. Okay? Now we have to introduce another, another set of numbers. <laughs> There are nine levels of obstacles that you that you are uh, dismantling, that you're breaking, that you're destroying, and whenever you whenever you destroy a definite n- number of these nine, that's what uh, e- uh, simultaneously equals achieving certain uh, we call certain releases, certain freedoms, and at the same time you you reach a, a, a another a another level. Okay. And, and <laughs> these nine levels have the, the following names. <laughs> when you hear it, you're going to laugh also. <laughs> okay, ready? Okay. Uh, small, medium, big. Okay, you ready now? That's the first three. Okay, okay. Small, small, <laughs> small, medium. Small, big. That's another. Medium, small. <laughs> medium, medium. Medium, big. Big, small. Big, medium. Big, big. That's twelve. That's twelve. Well, the yeah. first, the first three. Are yeah, the first three are not, are not the, the small, small. Uh, it's the small, small. Starting with that. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay? So that's, that's the nine, they call Bharche, uh, they call the. It's like uh, blockers on the path. You, when you move that block, then you move, then you move further on the, on the path. Or the, the, you, move, you move a different level. Okay. And going through those, and the only thing, the only thing that removes those, 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 those blockages is when you're in direct perception of emptiness. Only then do, uh, do they get uh, dismantled, do they get destroyed. Okay. So as you're destroying those blockages, those nine, those nine uh, blockages, then you, you're making, you're, 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 you're progressing. And as you're progressing, you experience freedom, certain freedoms. Okay. So, for uh, for example, I mentioned the first uh, the first set of like it's the same set of same set of manifestation that that happens, but you happens and you, you experience them in in greater and greater uh, freedom. Okay. Uh, for example, when when you are bodhisattva you achieve the first bhumi and at, the, at that simultaneously you become an Arya Bodhisattva or uh, different ways of translating that term is superior or, or noble uh, the term noble doesn't quite really describe it but it's a uh, it's a term it's a, it, it's a term that it's one of the very first translation of that term and it's sort of stuck with it not like the four noble truths. Okay. Uh, so you become an Arya Bodhisattva. You're no longer an ordinary Bodhisattva. Uh, simultaneously with that, you have uh, destroyed uh, uh, the the the, the uh, one of the nine one of the nine that you destroy is intellectual intellectual grasping to self-existence. Yeah, that's the first boom. So, you attain the first boom after the path of sin. Yeah, at the at the path of sin. After the after. The well, since the, since the path of sin is uh, is an absorption in the direct perception of emptiness, at that moment you are beyond Arya. And at that moment you attain the first. The first boom. So before that, mm-hmm. even a being who has bodhicitta is not. No, it's not on the first one. No, they are an ordinary bodhisattva. Now, you have to understand, uh, you are a bodhisattva once you you have bodhicitta, and not because someone has seen themselves directly necessarily makes them a bodhisattva. As far as the Mahayana bodhisattva is concerned, now you understand why I make that statement. As far as the Mahayana bodhisattva is concerned, yeah. And also, the Theravadins also have use of the term Bodhisattva. But it's not the same Bodhisattva as the, the way it is understood in the Mahayana tradition. Okay. So, you're, you're an Arya Bodhisattva, you have reached the first Bhumi, and you have destroyed uh, um, the uh, intellectual grasping to, uh, to, to a self. The intellectual form of it has been destroyed. Okay? And also other things happen. And uh, so you can say the nine are not necessarily just only nine things 
but you could say they're like nine major. There are also uh, uh, also other barriers that are smashed and destroyed, never again to 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 come up. Like for example, to ev the, to ever have the potential to to accumulate the seed to be to have a uh, what's called that. Uh, a lower, lower, lower rebirth that has that is, that is destroyed. Never again will you ever have the seed, uh, never have the potential to 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 give cause to the seed that would make you be born in the lower realm. Okay, and not only that, any seed that you had before that would have ripened as a lower birth. Well, not any of them, but most of them. <laughs> Some of them could be so powerful that none of the internet could destroy it. Okay. So, but for the most, for the average bodhisattva, those seeds are, even those seeds are destroyed. Okay. So no longer will you ever be forced to be reborn in, a, in, in any of the lower realms. Okay. That's the first, well, we are still talking about the first bumi. Okay, the first level, first bumi bodhisattva. And also, or some, some other perks <laughs> come with achieving uh, 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 the first, first boon. Because of, because of your having had a direct perception of emptiness, so you could say your understanding of emptiness is so profound because of, of that experience, that it also affects uh, uh, one of the, uh, it affects all the, the perfections that you are that, that you are practicing. Okay. In particular, one of them you become uh, excel at it, and that's uh, the, the perfection of giving. You, you now you are, you, ex, you excel at the perfection of, of giving. You're still practicing the other perfections. You're still practicing the other perfections to a uh, much more powerful degree than you used to before. But now you become a specialist at the perfection of giving. And because of of of, of uh, the 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 effect also of the just purely the meditation aspect, just the meditation that you had that you had developed to be able to get to direct perception of emptiness, and because of the the duration of your mind of that meditation in direct perception of emptiness. You also have destroyed something within that life, and I'm not sure if it goes in all, all future life. It, yeah, in all future lives, there's something that you have destroyed as far as the aggregate, the physical and mental aggregate. You have this, you have destroyed something within those aggregates that that manifests as constant joy. Okay, there's something. The reason that we're not constantly enjoying. Uh, you know, uh, uh, experiencing just joy because there's something that within uh, 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 due to our grasping to ourselves, there's something with uh, uh, con connected with that 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 sort of like blocks covers the natural and the joy. Uh, it's not it's not really a it's not a joy in the sense of like uh, like uh, you know you, you did a, a good deed and that good deed. Uh, a ripen as an as, as, a, as an experience of some sort of a happiness. It's not that kind of a, a joy. It's a joy where it is really the absence of something. It's like uh, you're underwater, and the discomfort that you're experiencing 
when you're on the water is because of a lack of an absence of something, right? Or the presence of something. What is that? Lack of oxygen. Lack of oxygen. <laughs> okay? Of presence of water. And then because you, you when you come out of it, that discomfort that you were that, that you were experiencing when you were lacking oxygen, because that condition is absent, the very absence of that condition it, you experience a sense of, you know, a uh, sense of joy, a sense of uh, relief. Yeah. So, yeah, it's more like a relief. Okay. The joy that, that you start to experience is like a relief because you are now free of this condition that is uh, simultaneous with the mind grasping to self-existence. And that's why you, your mind is not, experiences this like background constant joy. Okay. So it's this thing that's sort of like covering its presence. So when it's, when it's because of the direct perception of emptiness and because of the mind, the, the, the training that the mind had to go to to get to that experience, it, it now becomes a, a experience of freedom from that condition. And that very freedom, the Bodhisattva experiences it as a constant joy. That's why the first, uh, one of the reasons that the, the first boom is called uh, constant joy, I think joy, sometimes just joy or constant joy. Okay? Because the Bodhisattva is always in joy. And also, in a, another uh, definition, another reason given why the Bodhisattva is always experiencing joy is that the Bodhisattva, just hearing of an opportunity to, to practice giving, gives the Bodhisattva a great sense of joy. That's also the reason why th th that level is called a constant joy. Now, now, the, now the reason that the Bodhisattva... Uh, can, can, can you guess the reason why the Bodhisattva is, is said to, to perfect the perfection of giving? Yeah, yeah. And how is it that the Bodhisattva is now perfecting, or has perfected the, the perfection of giving? Is, is, the, the, is practicing the perfection of giving in a in a superlative uh, in, in, uh, way. Elimination of self. Elimination of the self. It's connected to that. Well, that's sort of what uh, Ed just mentioned. I mean, after the direct perception of emptiness. Uh, even though there's no more intellectual grasping to the wrong, uh, to the misunderstanding of the, true nature of, of the true nature of reality, but there's still that innate form of it still there. But still, the Bodhisattva, when the Bodhisattva, uh, at least intellectually, doesn't see that, so has eliminated the, 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 the idea of self, has eliminated the idea of other. Because intellectually speaking, okay. and th that and that is connected to why uh, why the Bodhisattva practices uh, the perfection of giving in such an ex in such a superlative way. But that is also applied to the other per perfections. Okay. But sp specifically to the perfection of giving is that the Bodhisattva no longer will never experience any hesitation when it comes to giving. Whatever a being needs, a Bodhisattva 
is completely, totally willing to give it. Hmm? Well, bodhicitta hasn't enhanced it, but it's not only because of the bodhicitta. Bodhicitta, uh, bodhicitta definitely, no, bodhicitta definitely is affecting it. Uh, the the lack of perceiving the, the 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 self as it was before is definitely influencing it. But because of you say because of those two things, the enhanced bodhicitta, the having had the direct perception of emptiness. Now, when the Bodhisattva is presented with an opportunity to give, only joy comes up. And there's no hesitation whatsoever in giving. So, if the Bodhisattva, if the only thing that the Bodhisattva has is uh, uh, the Bodhisattva's arm, the Bodhisattva's body, the Bodhisattva will joyfully give that away. And even if the Bodhisattva is, you know, uh, I don't know what's exactly what example well you know the Bodhisattvas give away their body even in the very act when they're giving away their body even if they're giving it piece by piece knowing that they're making an act of giving they don't that they do not experience pain they only experience joy okay. and, and just a very naive question okay <laughs> Bodhisattvas are, are human beings that are on this planet or are we talking about some other level? Like a level on this planet. <laughs> Where are they? Well, they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me see now. Let me really get into that question. Yeah. Uh, someone becomes a bodhisattva. Right? It's not like uh, you were born into bodhisattvahood. Like you were, you're born as a human being, you're born as a dog, you're born as an angel. It's not like there's a realm that you're born into, and then you then then that realm is bodhisattva realm. So among the among the gods, the angels, they could be bodhisattvas. Among the human beings, they could be bodhisattvas. And some bodhisattvas may manifest as a dog or as a as a cat. Not that, as far as the cats are concerned, or the dogs are concerned. That definitely is a bodhisattva making a, making a specific appearance of, of, of that. Not that the dog, you know, you know, went went to uh, the temple and then studied and then <laughs> and meditated on on, on, on bodhisattva and uh, achieved became a bodhisattva. Not likely. <laughs> and probably in a very rare case, maybe <laughs> in some strange planet somewhere, <laughs> maybe that might be a case where a, a, a cat or a dog, you know, starts to to meditate. And they go in the path of accumulation and the path of preparation, and then they, you know, they achieve Buddha. I mean, they achieve Buddha, they become Bodhisattva. Yeah. 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 Now, yeah, yeah. Now, a Bodhisattva can emanate as a dog or a cat, or you know. so. You, so, in all the realms, you can find a, a, a Bodhisattva. But as far as who exactly, in what realm can someone practice and transform into a Bodhisattva? In that realm, it would be the human realm or the God realm. Okay, so uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the other perks that comes with being a bodhisattva, uh, and when you start when you start making, the, uh, you know, uh, um, climbing the boomies, climbing the, the different levels, is that uh, one of one one freedom that you experience is the what's the point of being a bodhisattva? 
yeah, to help us continue to help beings, right? So one one freedom that you experience is the, in 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 the, in the capacity of helping beings, you experience a certain freedom of being able to do so. Okay. One one of the things that one one of the uh, what's called uh, limitations that we have uh, in being able to help uh, beings is that we are we have one body, and we are stuck with that. Okay. Like if there's somebody in need in need help here. We can only help that, that being or that, that help in that particular circumstance or even where your body is present. Okay? But if, if there's something happening over there, you will not be able to go there, be there, and then be here at the same time. So that's one limitation that, is, that you're freed from when, you, when you're on the first boomy. And then this limitation gets, uh, you know, get becomes more and more exponenti- uh, ex- exponentially wider and wider. Okay, your the, the the sphere of your influence, you know, you know, broadens and broadens. So, and the first first we, we, we briefly talked about that last time. Last uh, the, the first gumi, you also the, the freedom that you have is that wherever you need a teaching, wherever there's a teaching that you need, you're able to go there. Okay, if and. Uh, you can go to you, you, can, uh, blah, blah, blah. you experience freedom a hundredfold. Let's let's call it that. Okay. You can emanate a hundred bodies. You can go to a hundred different Buddha realms simultaneously. Okay. Not not that you have mileage, you know, and you can you can go to a hundred different countries, you know, but simultaneously you can go to a hundred different Buddha lands, receive teachings from a hundred Buddhas simultaneously. And uh, what else? You can do a lot of things with, with, with the number a hundred. <laughs> and also those hundred emanations that, 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 that you're able to uh, manifest, for each one of those emanations they can have, uh, you can further emanate a hundred uh, emanations as an entourage for each one of those emanations. So that's really like a hundred times a hundred emanations you can have. Okay. So that's the first Bhumi Bodhisattva. And also, uh, what else? Uh, hmm. oh, not even, not, not even uh, we talk a little bit about the path of ac- uh, accumulation and path of preparation. What happens at the path of preparation Right when you reach the very last, uh, what's called Chuchok, uh, the uh, Supreme Dharma, when you're just about to see emptiness directly. You have a very deep understanding of subtle impermanence. Yeah, uh huh. What else? A very cool thing that happens. <laughs> oh, part. yeah, you can no longer go to the lower realms, is that? No, that's. This is the path of no the the three path accumulation preparation the path of seeing that's the major that's where we are right now that's where you, you reach the first bhumi and the path when your path of meditation you know after after you you know once you come out come out of that meditation where you are directly perceiving emptiness. Out of that meditation, you are now in the, uh, you are in now in the fourth path. The third path doesn't last 
uh, you know, it doesn't last uh, like lifetimes or, or many years or anything like that. It lasts only for the duration of that meditation. And so, as soon after that, then you're on the, you're on the fourth path. And it's the fourth path where, where that is the, the, supposed to be the longest okay, for the Bodhisattva. That's where the, the three countless eons, that's where they begin. Wow. So it doesn't begin over here. That's pretty cool. Hmm? That's pretty cool because then they're not suffering. They're not suffering. But they're already been suffering. They're not going to go around. They're not. Uh, it's not that they have no experience of suffering whatsoever. But the gross suffering the that gross we know, suffering. yeah, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're fear of that. Yeah. Uh, so it's at the fourth path, the path of meditation, that's where mo- all the, you know, the, the, the first bumi, it's uh, career, the second boomy career, the third boomy, all the way to the ninth. Okay. So all they all happen here at, at the fourth path. Now, remember from the from from the path of accumulation, all the way to Buddhahood, what is happening is that you're meditating on the true nature of reality. Okay. So, if 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 you achieve, if you if you achieve, if you became a bodhisattva. That is, you had a, a real complete, uh, complete, unadulterated experience, realization of bodhicitta. Okay? That's for you, that's for the Bodhisattva having achieved the uh, path of accumulation. Okay? Yeah. When, when the, the Bodhisattva, uh, the being, Who's, who's starting with achieving bodhi, uh, bodhicitta, and when that when that being achieves an, uh, what's that term? a complete, unelaborated uh, form of bodhicitta, that's having achieved the path of accumulation. In the path of a- accumulation, there is plak, no, there is a shine. So simultaneous with the path of accumulation, you have perfect, perfect uh, medi- meditative, one-pointed meditative uh, uh, experience. Okay, at the path of accumulation, and with that one-pointed meditation that you, that that you uh, have achieved, now you're going to use it to to try to get to see emptiness directly, to see the true nature of reality directly. And since to see emptiness directly requires analysis, so you have to do a special kind of analysis. And this special kind of analysis is what you call, it's called vipassana, or, or special insight. So using the perfect one-pointedness that you have uh, uh, acquired, you start to meditate on, start to analyze emptiness, and but first, because your your one-pointedness is uh, fresh, it's a baby. Then, uh, when you start to analyze, it disturbs the one-pointedness. So you have to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until your analysis becomes one-pointed. When your analysis becomes one-pointed, then you have moved to the path of preparation. Now you have perfect uh, one-pointedness merged perfectly with with with, uh, with special special kind of analysis, one-pointed analysis. Okay. 
and and when with that with your lack with your perfect one-pointed analysis and you continue your meditation on, 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 on emptiness trying to get to see it directly then you start to have ex- various experiences of of emptiness appearing to you in various subtle forms subtle subtle conceptual forms and it, it is it is sort of like a com- uh, engaging that conceptual form profound understanding of emptiness that you continue to do over and over and over again and eventually when the conceptual form falls or drops and now your mind has uh, uh, completely uh, become uh, free of conceptualization at that conceptualization at that point concerning emptiness then you have a direct perception of emptiness and right before that the church walk that, that is your your understanding of emptiness your, is so profound. Emptiness is a the conceptual image of emptiness is so vivid, so so clear that it may even appear to be a direct perception of emptiness because it is so 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 clear. Okay, at that moment you have reached what is called Chucho, the Supreme Dharma. And at that moment, you have all, what has happened is that you have removed something. Something that was, that was uh, forced to be in your mind. And that thing, what it did, what it does, is that's what makes you forgetful. What makes you forgetful is a klesha. And now you have, because you're so close, it's like uh, emptiness is, is, is a fire, and the klesha is some sort of, the klesha is like rubbish, uh, of different degrees, they, they require a different intensity of heat for them to be burned. So the klesha of forgetfulness, once it gets closer and closer to, to the sun or the fire of, of, of emptiness, that the heat of emptiness burns it away. So you no longer are forgetful. And, 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 and this forgetfulness is, you know, has different degrees. Okay? So as far as whatever you've learned already in this life, you never forget. And then you even start to have memories of, of what, what you learned before in past lives. And, and since because the Dharma is what is of most importance to you, what the, uh, crucial importance to you, that's what comes up in the surface of memory. Uh, 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 fresh, the freshest and if you want to remember other things you know who was your mother who was your father how, how many lifetimes if you count how many lifetimes uh, packed did you have ice cream how many gallons you had um, you can waste your time <laughs> recalling, recalling those things okay it's because at that moment because of the power of the meditation and because of, of empty, uh, approaching emptiness the mind approaching emptiness the, the, the klisha of forgetfulness is burned away or is damaged quite severely and, and, that, and that is uh, uh, and that is called entering the, uh, the, uh, the continuum of the dharma continuum dharma okay? and, and then after that experience then you see emptiness directly then you're on the third path then you're on the first bhumi then all those things happen then you're your practice of the perfection of generosity is at, is at, is at its 
you cannot do any better. No one can do better. You cannot do any better. Okay, this is the, this is the most... You, 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 you surpass other bodhisattvas in, in, in the, in the, in the uh, practice of the profession of giving. Now, that sort of tells you what all gives you an idea as to what's happening at the other nine at the other nine boonies, the other nine levels. One of one at each at each level, one of the perfections, you you become uh, you become a, an excellent practitioner of that of that perfection. So in the second boonie, you excel at morality. morality. Okay. And you so excel at morality that and because of your because of, of the uh, of the super way that you you practice morality, that level is called stainless. That is, you no longer have any stains of bad morality. And those 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 freedoms that you experienced before in the hundredfold, now you experience them a hundred times a hundredfold. Now you can have a thousand emanations. Each of them have a thousand emanations. Simultaneously visit a thousand Buddha lands, a thousand simultaneously receive teachings from a thousand Buddhas. Okay, so everything gets multiplied exponentially. So, and the same things, and the same progression is going to go all the way to the point where the number, like the eighth, the ninth, the, the eighth, ninth, the eighth, yes, the seventh, eighth, and ninth, ten boomies are considered to be pure, pure boomies. When you get to those points, to, to those levels, the, the numbers are just you can't count them anymore. It's like you can you can have emanations for as many dust particles there are on, on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's ten times. So it's once you reach the seventh boomie, seven, eight, nine, it's a thousand. Oh no no no. A, a thousand. I mean, uh, you can you have. Instead of being a hundred, now it's a thousand. So it's ten times. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it doesn't continue like ten times the thousand be the next one. It, it, it could be like uh, the next one is uh, actually a hundred times a thousand. Yeah. So it doesn't go ten times that and then ten times that and ten times that. So that's why when you're reaching the pure boomy, the number is just you know. Astrono- truly astronomical. Okay. Like the number, uh, how many how many emanations you can do at that at that boomy? Uh, as as many uh, as as many as there are dust particles on the on the planet. Okay. And you're not even a Buddha yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my <laughs> question. So I mean, it seems incredible. So perhaps is there a difference then? And what's the difference when you reach Buddhahood if you already have such incredible? Point? Yeah. Well, as far as we are concerned, looking at them from here, or we, we see the same thing. <laughs> we cannot make a distinction, especially when, when the bodhisattva is on the pure 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 boomies. and only and I said only a bodhisattva on the pure boomies can truly appreciate what a Buddha is. And you know, the most prof- what is the most profound realization of a bodhisattva who is just about to become a Buddha? No idea what a Buddha. Is. Huh? I can't explain what yeah. that's oh the Yeah. That's the most profound realization. Oh my. This thing called Buddhahood, I have no idea what it is. I cannot fathom it. That's the 10th that's the level Bodhisattva. Who's a, who, 
this level that we cannot even get to comprehend. And here's this Bodhisattva saying, Wow, Buddha, I have no idea what that is. I cannot comprehend that. This being a Buddha, whoa. Okay? And that's, that's, that's the realization that propels it. <laughs> okay? To get there. Uh, of course, other things happen. We'll describe them uh, as we go along. So, I guess today was more like a, a review of the first boom. And we added some little other things in there. Okay? Small, 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 medium, small, big. Now we have to remember those, okay? They're, they're very important. <laughs> Don't forget them. Okay, you didn't give us again. You're going to go into that next time. Yeah, we're going to go into exactly which one of those small, 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 big, 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 which one of them gets smashed and damaged on, on each um, boom. Okay, we're going to go into those. And exactly what kind of, uh, you know, klesha is destroyed, what kind of... Uh, uh, with how, 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 and the Bodhisattva has seen it directly already. So, what else does the Bodhisattva need to know about the Trinity of Reality? That he has to continue to going back. So, even the wisdom of the Bodhisattva keeps uh, 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 expanding. And they continue to experience further and further freedom. I'm sorry, because I'm, I'm you really want is a brand new car. 
<laughs> and all those practices that you're doing is that you're hoping that you get that brand new car. Okay. And at that at that level, you're not even the first. You're not even the first. First. first you're not even the, the first of the three. Okay. And yet, on the outside of it, you know, you, you've taken initiations. You're sitting down. You're, you're you're practicing those incredible, complicated practices. And yet, at the gut level, even though when when you say I want to achieve good out for all sentient beings, what you those are just words for you. You're saying them so that because in saying them that might get you a car. Okay, it could be that way. And even when you say Buddhahood, what you see is that you driving your brand new car. But <laughs> 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 you're calling you driving your brand new car Buddhahood. Okay, so it has to be at the very gut instinctual level. That's what establishes whether or not you're, which one are you. It's not a menu that you choose. You know, you know okay, I'll take that one. Because who who wants to Consciously choose the lowest one. Mm-hmm. Huh? Who would want to make that uh, a conscious decision? Nobody. So what what you are is not what you say you are. <laughs> right, but, but there's schools that describe to being terrible. Yeah. So at least we can categorize them as no school. Yeah, we. Yeah, we do that. We. Yeah. But there would not be any school that would be no school. Uh. Uh, somewhat, yeah, because you know the aspiration of, of the lower lower one is to avoid the lower realms, so they they aspire to the higher realms. So they are practicing, they are uh, you know keeping their morality, they're they're studying all these in, all these efforts that they're doing is so that they can avoid the lower the three lower realms and achieve. Either uh, uh, become the next Donald Trump or the next uh, Bill Gates or aspire to become Indra or something like that. For them, for that person, see, the f- that's why uh, you have to examine Buddhahood in a sense of do you truly believe that it is possible? Do you truly believe that it is possible? If you don't truly believe that it is possible, even though you, you say you're aspiring to it, it's not a true aspiration. It's not that you have to see Buddhahood to, for you to aspire to it, but you have, must have you know, what's called, you know, uh, I don't like using that word because I had a problem with it in the beginning, but <laughs> faith. You have, must have c- concrete faith that Buddhahood is possible. And also, and you must have uh, an understanding of Buddhahood that is, of course, at least to some degree matches what Buddhahood is supposed to be. So some people may have, may have, some people may call themselves Mahayanas because they come from tradition, and yet they consider Buddhahood to be when you, when you, you know, when you reach nothingness, when you m- merge with nothing, when you become absolutely nothing. Some people might consider Buddha, Buddhahood to be that, and they are aspiring to that kind of Buddhahood. So, could we say that people? Somebody uh, aspires consciously to the Lord of course. It's really because they are not aware or and or convinced that Buddha is possible. Because they consider that's the highest thing that can be achieved. What they aspire to. Yeah. They are, to put it in the negation, they are not aware. 
or it could be it could be there's another way, or it could be that as far as their con- conviction is concerned, that's what they actually believe to be possible. That's what they believe to be what is something that can exist. Like, I've seen someone drive a very nice car. As far as I'm concerned, I have perfect faith <laughs> in that. Okay? And I'm aspiring to, to, to that. And that is so important to me that I'll even go to Tibet, get initiations, and I, I, I'll go to that Lama and sit in that class and hear those magical words that when I hear it, it will somehow manifest where I see myself driving that nice car. But as far as Buddhahood, Bodhis being a Bodhisattva, somebody who can emanate a hundred emanations, and, and <laughs> maybe that's, that's something that really exists. But I've seen that car, and I see how happy I am when I saw it. I was fine for that. And then, well, I don't want to be known as a materialist. I'll say, I want to see Buddha for a single person to me. Hoping that there's some sort of magic mantra that would make me have a car. Okay. Because that's what you actually did. At the gut level, really believe. You were just laughing? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do we find out why we're really doing this? Aha! That's why in the, at the beginning of every at the beginning of every meditation, you look at what's your true motivation. Why, why am I really doing this? Yeah. How do we know that's just not what we're telling ourselves? How do we find out? Yeah. And, and, and in your everyday action, see what's really motivating your actions. What is motivating your actions? I have a question about No, the Arya is just like. Uh, and how do I recognize it in my life? How do I see an Arya? Oh, very, very difficult. Unless you, it says, unless you're an Arya, even if you're an Arya, it would be kind of difficult for you to see who, who else is an Arya. Because it's it's an inner transformation that has taken place. How do I know if I'm an Arya? Oh, you would definitely know if you're an Arya. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How would you know? You you would you would you would definitely know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you would definitely know. Come with the seal, right? Yeah? Come with the seal. <laughs> yeah. Come with the seal. Come with the seal. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's like, uh, the same question is about the Bodhisattva. How do you know if you're Bodhisattva? If you're asking the question, you're not a Bodhisattva. Right. Bodhisattva is somebody who has, I mean, you, 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 it could be something that is very attractive to you and you aspire to be that kind of a person, that kind of a being. But just because you have that aspiration doesn't make you a Bodhisattva yet. You're a Bodhisattva when you have genuine realization of Bodhicitta. In connection with genuine realization of Bodhicitta, there is Shine. Shine. One-pointedness. One-pointed concentration. That's in the first part? Yeah. At the end of the first Yeah. Is that what makes you on the first path? Mm-hmm. Is that getting to that is what makes you start? For, for Mahayanas, it will be bodhicitta and shiva. For Hinayanas, it will be renunciation 
and 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 she. She made. She made uh, that one pointed uh, meditation. Samadhi. Yeah. A more samadhi. Krishna? Uh, Ka? Lata? K L E S H A. Yeah. Sometimes it's not the H. Yeah. So, how do you really spell it? It's a Sanskrit word. Okay, that's how you should do that. <laughs> yeah, got another question? Uh, on preparation, the first pass, accumulation, she's good. Yeah. Modest and accumulation. Accumulation, that's the first pass. And the first pass. And the second pass. And the second pass. The second pass. The second the the graduation to the second path is having achieved platon. Platon is that one-pointed analysis. To put it in a in a, in a different way. What does the United achieve in the second path? Platon and platon already already they've achieved renunciation. Already they've achieved shine. So what 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 makes them having achieved the second path is when they have platon. When they have uh, vipassana, special insight. That is, they now they they have uh, combined, united their perfect one-pointed meditation with the ability to analyze. And for Hinayanas, what are they on the second path? Mm-hmm. What are they? Uh, the same things that the Bodhisattva get on the second path. When right when they're about to achieve shine, they also have this. Uh, the, uh, Remove that uh, the klesha of forgetfulness. <coughs> it's when when they reach well, they sort of enter the the path, the path because the the Mahayanas has bodhicitta and the Hinayanas has renunciation, right? Right. So that's the difference. Right. And then as they make progress, they experience a lot of similar things, but because the bodhisattva has bodhicitta, it experiences extra things. But the three three simple paths along with pronunciation, the Mahayana has already experienced that before them. Yeah. Okay. So you could so you could call it Mahayana path of preparation. Mahayana path of accumulation. That's why you have to further qualify to to make the, the further distinction. And and the reason for uh, learning about about these what 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 happens on those levels is that when you when you when you hear about them, uh, you know, you get wonder, and then you you, you should aspire. It should it's in, uh, inspire you to to do what it takes to get there. When you're on the first bumi, you do it to help a hundred beings at the same time. That's what it, that's how you think of it. You were to if you need a teaching that will help you help beings, you go to listen to it from a hundred buddhas at the same time. And uh, one of the, uh, even before the first one of the things that attracts me is 
not able to forget anything. Um, <laughs> beside that, uh, yeah, I remember you, you, you taught, taught me that uh, a few years ago. I remember uh, it was about that subject. <laughs> but what is it exactly? Uh, uh, no, I don't remember. <laughs> That's annoying. Especially, <laughs> especially when you're remembering that you forgot it. That's not <laughs> the most annoying thing. <laughs> why, should I, why should I be bothered by kind of, that kind of, kind of memory? Just forget it altogether, right? <laughs> yeah, I remember they taught something like that. It was very important. Yeah, I should have remembered that. <laughs> but that still happens in the first movie. No, at the first movie, that's when that, what you call it, the, the forgetful thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what's gone at, at the first movie. But, but you still know it, right? And this is a discussion I've had other times. You still, it's in there, right? You still know it. You yeah, that's why you're able to recall it. At, at, right. At, at it's, that it's, there. it's just that it's very difficult to get to it. Okay. It might take a few days of you know, intense, constant effort to remember it. Okay. So once you experience something, it's always there. Yeah. It's just a matter of forgetting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, forgetting it, being able to recall it. They don't forget anything. What? We don't really forget yeah, that's true. We don't really forget anything. You don't really forget because if you really, if forgetting was like it was truly gone, when you reach that level, you, there would be no such thing as being able to remember teachings from the past because they're not really gone. So that's one of the reasons why it is said it's a blessing to go to a teaching, even if you have no idea what's going on, because somewhere later on you'll be able to recall it and make sense of it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> okay. <coughs> and that practice sometimes uh, becomes somewhat of a superstition if, you, if you're not doing it for the proper motivation. If I get blessings, you know, the teaching his power, I get that car. <laughs> <laughs> that brings me back to the motivation again. So uh, if you find out, so I meditate and I find out what I, why I'm doing this is for the wrong reason. Yeah. How do you change that? What do you, I mean, that very knowledge will help you change it. Okay. Sorry? Does it not really reincarnate? Yeah. The or does it emanate? An Arya, the first, the, 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 the beginner Arya reincarnates. The, the more advanced Arya emanates. I was just saying, so if it's a question about why I'm here, uh, then that would be something to do like an analytic meditation. Then. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be that, you know, uh, you think that you're here for a higher reason, but when you search deep within yourself, you see that what makes you, what, what actually pushed you to come here could be something else. And that's something you have to discover for yourself at the gut level. And once you discover it, then you know what it is, then you can then make the change. Uh, Concerning uh, the last thing I'll say, <laughs> concerning uh, the uh, motivation, um, as far as developing the motivation of renunciation, for example, right? And it, it's, it's one of the, the beautiful things about. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I haven't heard any presentation of it like that. But when Geshe Michael used to teach, to teach that, it, it's showing that. 
a lot of these things are like they are natural already within us. It's just a matter of enhancing. Like we already have some sense of one pointedness. It's just that it's directed some, most of the time to, you know, what's that thing? To uh, things that are not meaningful. Like we, we can we can have one pointed concentration when watching a movie, <laughs> right? Someone can make noise. We don't hear the person's noise, but we but we know everything that's happening in the movie. We don't lose that. So that's so that have, so that's a natural thing. And also renunciation also is a natural thing. It's not something that you have to borrow from outside of your own continuum and then have an operation and make it part of you. It's already there because there are things that you don't like. The very emotion of not liking is part of renunciation. It's just that we we direct it towards meaningless things. We direct it towards things that 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 have been being being uh, governed or governed or influenced by our own ignorance. Mm. Okay. But if you direct that disliking towards what is truly needs to be disliked, that's when you have to in renunciation. Mm. And how do you get there? Just look. You don't have to imagine. Look at samsara. Samsara never hides its face. It's always samsara. We superimpose upon it beauty. We superimpose upon it. Uh, oh, there's some little, there's a, there's a happiness somewhere there. I'm just not seeing it correctly. Oh, I've seen happiness because we're not really looking at it. If you just really look at it, just look at it, renunciation will then renunciation will just come because aversion for what is what is unpleasant is just natural for of, of being a being. Okay. And when you look and if, if you look at nirvana, you start you start you start you start looking at the possibility of it, and you start to somewhat see it in a conceptual way, then you will aspire towards it. I was scratching your head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, if, if no more questions, we'll we'll end for today. Okay. <coughs> Page uh, 16 and 17. You do the Tibetan and then we recite the English. That's at the end. Oh, that was amazing. For me, it was very moving. Uh, in Pennsylvania, when His Holiness asked for a Hatsuja to be recited in English, mm. it felt like, wow, I guess the Dharma is here. Mm. A very important sutra is being recited in, uh, in your own language. I always knew, even though the rhythm was need some work. Or <laughs> 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 it has to be the same rhythm? It mm-hmm. should be the same. No, I mean, just have our own. I, I think they were trying very much to have it be like a Tibetan. Mm-hmm. Since it's not Tibetan, it's mm-hmm. sort of like sounding a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we. we I would like to learn it in English. How do we get that? Where do we get it? Well, it's it's, that it's, it's my book. Right in front of yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 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 so what, when can we start doing that? You want to start doing that? You want to start doing that here? Yeah. In English? Yeah. It will take a little while. Yeah, we can do that. We can start doing that. Yeah. Like maybe, that. We, maybe we could be the first one to come up with a nice rhythm. <laughs> 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 it's very short. This week, yeah, it's, it's short. Yeah. It's hard. It's I mean, it has a very deep meaning. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's the, the amount. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when it, uh, you listen to the, the Tibetan, 
and Tibetans have diff- different ways of different melodies, and there's this one way of reciting it. And you heard the the Chinese, and you heard the, yeah. the Vietnamese, and they were so beautiful, right? I mean, they were different. Well, I mean, well, were they repeating, or was was their version longer? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just the rhythm that they, they chose that made it longer. I mean, there's a way of reciting in Tibetan that like makes it look like an hour they recited it. <laughs> that would take a while. <laughs> and when you're and when you're you know in a in assembly, and it's, you're gonna be sitting there for about two hours, and they're going. Oh, when they <laughs> get to the end. Yeah, it's supposed to help you to really meditate on the meaning. As that's why they make it that slow. We have one. That's it. After you get so tired after that obstacle's removed, then you can actually concentrate. Yeah. It's like waiting at the doctor's office. By the time you get in, you can actually, you're not nervous anymore. Yeah. Okay. Page 16. It's better to honor the lineage. Okay.
control. I think it's there you go. Something's moving now. No, it's and just I'm recording more. Yeah, that's why I stop it. Stop. That's what I did last time. You said this. Then you go over the menu.